Uh, we're back here again. It's your boy, Nemo, real name, Nehemiah Johnson. I'm here with the great and wonderful Asterisk Miller. Um, today, well, today is a special day because we actually don't know what we're going to talk about yet. But you know what? I think I found something we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about... um. What is it? What is shout outs to Austin Watson? But what it was shouts. What did the uh, what is it? Ah, hypermasculinity, hypermasculinity. And with that, we're going to talk about just life in general for people in between our age group. I don't want to put it in a in a box, but indeed, I, I just want to. Uh, I feel like right now, that's the people who are listening most often. So, yeah, hypermasculinity. So, if you can give us a brief just definition of hypermasculinity, asterisk, please. Okay, so. It's it's almost self-explanatory. Hypermasculinity is just what's deemed as normally masculine, so being strong, powerful, and then taking it to a level at which it it's viewed as nearly atrocious. So always wanting to fight or being aggressive, uh, demeaning to women, uh, and just disregarding the female dialectic nearly completely. Right. So some. <clears throat> would consider this the alpha mentality. You have to take control. Mm. And then calling other men betas for, or betas, betas for not um, agreeing with them or being as strong as them. But this hypermasculinity also leads to male fragility, which is whenever you're strong outwardly. But if anything changes your worldview your, um, or your mental framework, then you can't reconcile it. Right? We yeah. talked about this before, where like whenever if your partner were to cheat on you, right? Because hypermasculinity is not something restricted to straight males, right? It happens among different uh, sexualities of males, different sexual orientations as well. So if your partner were to cheat on you, right? Seeming that you are strong, right? Sometimes coming from body dysmorphia, but not necessarily, then it basically breaks down your mental faculties, right? How could someone do something like this to me? I'm so strong. I'm so powerful. I am the the form, right, to get platonic. I am the pinnacle of manhood. Mm. So how could someone ever, like, do something against me? Why would anyone ever try me? I'm more powerful than them. I will, to for lack of a better term, kick your ass if you try me. Right. Mm. And then whenever people still do it, it's impossible to reconcile. Right. You have that you have that crisis of faith. Like. Is what I'm doing correct? Right. So, yeah, we'll go on that. So and just based on top of that, hypermasculinity also is I feel like you already stated this, but like appearances. So I look I'm, I appear stronger than you or I run mm. faster than you. Therefore, I'm more apex than you are. Indeed. So. With me being a student athlete at the school and stuff like that, uh, you see a lot of that in sports teams. Um, you see that throughout youth and as you progress among the sport um, a lot. And most of it is masked under the the uh, category comp- comp- competition and being competitive. What we have to realize is that all men come in different shapes and sizes. If every man was built the same way. And then uh, the last two times we were talking about finding one less lonely girl, how they gonna find the one less lonely guy? We all look like the same. Indeed. You know what I'm saying? There's all different types of people. There's variety. There's variety in that. We all are built, our genetics are all given to us for certain tasks to do in the world. The biggest guy may not do, may be able to do the same things the smallest guy can do. And the smallest guy may not be able to do the same things the biggest yeah, guy can yeah, do. Yeah. But with hypermasculinity, I believe to just come from the beginning, it is something that's taught. It is. It because is, when absolutely. you're a child, when you're a child, you may be faster than somebody or something like that. But after after you may compete for something, it's over with. It's all friendly. Mm-hmm. It's when uh, an older male instills in. But you have to be stronger than him. You can't. You can't be like this. Don't be a girl. Never Don't lose. cry. Don't show emotion. Uh, you're weak. You're. You're not a man. A man doesn't do this. A man mm-hmm. doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, there's different types of men in the world. Now, obviously, even it's become 
such a, a socialized thing that even some of our women do that. Like even I can see some of my the women in my life will will try to instill that because that's how what they saw when they were coming up. So the first thing we have to do with hypermasculinity is, I mean, to attack it, not to attack it, but to just seats its progression on and on is to first tackle where is it coming from? And most, just like we learn our values and ethics, it comes from Mm -hmm. our our parents or our community, or if you're religious, your church's mosque um, and different places. Yeah, philosophy. but the most where I usually see it at or where I hear about it is the prison system. Mm. And, you know, me and you both watch Big Hurt. Well, I used to watch them a lot. I don't watch them like that no more. But a lot of prison in prison, hypermasculinity is at its highest, at its It's apex. a way to survive. Yeah, because I think that's where most of it comes from. I think all now I may be wrong and I'm always open for somebody to correct me. Mm. But... I feel like hypermasculinity is instilled in all males as a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes and threatens your your area or space, you have no choice but to act. In you have yeah, you have no choice but to act in an aggressive manner. And because of that, some people may, you know, go after that and like it, and therefore it carries on time after time. And that's why you may see. Some guys, like some guys that you see in the news accused of rape or they're in trial for rape. Well, she liked it. She likes when I do those kinds of things. It's like, dude, you don't have to be aggressive with a girl. If she likes you, she's going to let you know that. Indeed. You don't have to push up on a girl yeah, in the club. Uh, consent is, is absolutely necessary. It's so necessary. But um, as I'm saying, like in the prison system or in any situation, let's say, for example, like me, if somebody was to run up on me, and threaten me with something, then that's when I will show my bravado and and puff my chest out and say, "Yeah, we can, we can, we can fight if you want to. I'm gonna protect myself, but I don't walk around showing like, oh, I'm the strongest guy and I'm a man and you're weak and stuff like that. Because one, I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I won't call myself a, a big guy like that. Yeah, I'm fit. Yeah, I'm strong, but I'm not gonna be. I'm not one of those guys that's in the gym." Throwing up 500 pounds and stuff like that. I'm not. Indeed. But um, hypermasculinity, you see it a lot in prison because of the, uh, just to defend oneself. If you appear weak in prison, then they will take your food. They will, stuff like that. But just to, just to digress from that, hypermasculinity is just, um, it just needs to be stopped, really. It's like, because now people are different now. So many people are different now. Weightlifting is not, your life mm. being aggressive towards women is not right indeed um showing emotion is not being weak showing Absolutely. emotion is actually actually being strong if you're strong enough to say wow that hurt my feelings or that made me sad i feel like that makes you so much stronger yeah, than somebody yeah. that that appears strong on the outside and say i don't care that doesn't matter to me that doesn't bother me when on the inside it really hurts it takes a lot of courage to speak up about certain situations absolutely you're, and, go- you're going beyond the flesh whenever because it's it's truly intrinsic the ability to care and yeah so yeah it, there's something brilliant about it that an individual can so there's this uh thing that oftentimes people believe it's might makes right so if someone's small Right, all of their energy, right, is directed to their brain, so they must be a nerd. Whereas if someone's big and hulking, uh, he has to be, he has to be extremely dumb, right, a lughead. But that's not always the case because there are plenty of large men. Most of my friends who are in med school are actually quite, quite physical people. They're uh, quite big, and that's because you know as a as a future doctor, you want to be healthy, right? Because how how are you supposed to tell your patients? You to- got a bubble gut. <laughs> and, and, like, I'm like, listening to you. You eat Burger King like me. Indeed. <laughs> like, like, you have a coronary heart disease. You need to stop. Like, what's in your lunchbox? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Of so, course you know a coronary heart disease. You got it with me. <laughs> indeed. But, yeah, so, like, this, 
this hyper masculinity it, it it usually comes from the might makes right old books and big i get to make the rules but and that's wrong man i'm gonna tell you this straight up like we we gotta stop we gotta stop as a people from condemning people on how they want to live their life like if somebody's not as big as you stop putting them down just just for that just because somebody you were raised in a household or in a in a community where they did that you got to realize at some point that's that's not right that everybody's different if everybody looked like you looked like you and thought like you then there would be nothing unique about the world so with with that being said hypermasculinity it's just the fact that men target other men because of their physique mm-hmm. or the way they display their emotion or the way they develop and stuff like that is so it's so bad and you even can see it in like in different in different groups and stuff like that like uh i feel like a lot of athletes do it too as i see and I can't speak for every athlete because some people only show you this the 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 scratch this the surface of themselves mm-hmm. just to you know appease whatever group they're in, but um, a lot of athletes are 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 a lot of male athletes are hyper masculine. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is they don't want to appear weaker to their their peers or to their opponent, and sometimes we can't take that off the field or the court. Or wherever you play at, Indeed. like I had a trouble with that when I was in in middle school and high school, like I was ultra aggressive when I when I when I played and I could not take it off the, the field. Like it ruined a lot of my friendships, or it caused a lot. Of, like the the friends that I that are truly my friends, Indeed. they stuck around because they knew like okay we knew you when you were the the guy that's always smiling and cracking jokes. This isn't who you who you are like this may be a side of you but this isn't who you are all the time but i lost a lot of friendships because of the hyper masculinity mm. as me appearing that oh, i'm more aggressive than you and i'll show you if you you talk to me if you talk to me or um, a certain way or say something i don't like i will react with violence or aggressiveness yeah yeah and it's wrong because at the end of the day if i'm not able to project how i'm feeling to you in words or if you hurt my feelings instead of punching you Saying, "Hey, man, that hurt my feelings. Like, I that really made me hurt. I feel like that shows my courage. If people, if people laugh at you and say, say things derogative terms like you're a punk and you're you're pipsqueak, or I don't think people in our generation use that, no, but, but yeah, but like stuff like that, then that's on them. Because at the end of the day, it took you courage to speak up, speak up on your mind and say, um." That hurt my feelings. Like I was watching this uh one of these motivational uh speakers today, and like I only follow one because he has some like really powerful things to say. But he was like the the one four letter word to stop any argument, and I feel like this goes along with hyper masculinity because one of the three stages is emotions, and uh it's just to say ouch, like ouch is showing that you're open enough to display. Uh, a type of emotion that says that recognize that lets somebody recognize that you're hurt about something, because a lot of people that are hyper masculine were sh- were told to shut down their emotions. Mm. Like a lot of people, and I can speak on this because I am a black male. A lot of a lot of men in the black community may suffer from this: is the lack of showing emotions. There's a lot of times when people, when um, even today with me, when people ask me how I'm feeling, I'm all the only thing I can say is okay. Yeah. And I can't expand upon why I'm okay or expand upon why I'm good. That's because whenever I was younger, if I did cry, toughen up. You're a, you're a man. Men don't cry. Men don't do this. Men don't do that. Mm-hmm. And you, over time, you start to internalize that. And now it's to a point now, if somebody asks me how I'm feeling, like my aunt's a counselor. She asked me how I'm feeling. It's so hard to get out how I'm feeling. Like It would take so much time to... And I think that goes along with hypermasculinity. We have to tackle those things. The physical aggression towards women, the the emotional uh level of it, and the macho personality. Uh the machismo. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's different ways to be macho. It's different ways. Just just like every girl doesn't want every girl doesn't want this guy. I mean, yeah, it's just a fantasy aspect of it. Of you know those uh, my favorite show to watch on Netflix is Stranger Things, and then the one episode when um uh I forget the girl's name. I haven't watched Stranger Things in so long. Oh. It's crazy. Not 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 eleven. The the redheaded girl. Her mom. She was watch. She was reading this book of this guy. He was shirtless. He has like a washboard abs, long hair. Mark. Nah, no, nah, that's the sister. That's the sister. That's the sister of um the other guy. But anyway. She was watching, she was reading this book in the in the tub. This guy has like eight, 16 pack washboard abs, blonde hair. He has a sword. He's wearing like this, uh, like this barbaric skirt, barefoot, sitting on top of a mountain. And then he comes in. And he comes in. Um, and then Billy, the 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 brother of the 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 younger redheaded girl, who uh he comes into her door. And he looks, he looks um, just like the physique of the the lady in Stranger Things, and it kind of goes along how we push it in media, how men are supposed to look just like, even though it's more prevalent in women with CoverGirl magazines and Maybelline and L'Oreal Paris and all of those um, different uh, magazines and things like that. Yeah, that's Max is the the younger redheaded daughter, I mean sister of Billy, and. Um, just showing off the physique and it's like the male masculinity we we push it in media mm-hmm. just like how also with females they push it how a woman's supposed to look and how their skin is supposed to look and how they're supposed to talk and carry themselves it's like there's different type of women in this world there's women with curves there's women with that are skinny that that may fit the quote-unquote model physique and there's guys that are machismo that are that are built like that there's also an average built guy there's also a very skinny guy there's also people that may not be in the fit scale and all of those people should be treated with the same respect as or treated with the same respect and receive the same attention as of someone who is machismo and the thing about uh, the only reason why being machismo is so it's held at the highest regard is because we keep pushing it in the media and people are attracted to those things. And a lot of men, just like women, go to the extremes to try to reach that. Mm. So they may see in these movies the ultra-aggressive guy and he's uh, like like my one of my other favorite shows, like The Punisher. You see The Punisher often like 20 guys and he's this super macho military man and things like that. Well, honestly, that is actually contradicting my point because he was a family man and he was really sweet to his wife. So I scratched that. But another character who's like rude to women and super strong and does whatever he wants and girls just whisk themselves onto him. We see that and it's like, I want to be that guy. If that guy can get five women chasing after him, then I'm going to emulate that guy. And we put that in society. And then, and then it may work for one guy, so then more people are trying to do it. But the the bad thing about it is you're gonna run up, you're gonna run into an issue when you meet a, a young lady who is not into that. And now you practice it so much, some guys, the male fragility, mm-hmm. some guys can't handle rejection of the way they're acting, so they try to take it by force. Because I'm macho, you're a woman, I'm a man, yep. I can do this, you can't do that, and that's where we lead into problems. So for in defense of humanity, I feel like all the topics we talk about just to just to lay the basis down, because these are like the, the beginning episodes. Mm-hmm. It's like we we as the speakers and you as the listeners have to take this information and go out into the world and figure out ways to change the scope of how we view these subjects. Because it's it takes us as a people to change it and make things better. It's like if you want guys to stop acting like this, like blowhards and these big guys that think they they run everything and they, they're not able to dis- display their emotions, you have to stop it from the beginning. Yes. Can't, if somebody's been doing, like if I've been, like if I'm left-handed, I've been writing left-handed for 20 years and then you tell me, you strap my left hand down, tell me to write my right hand. 
I will think I'm unable to do it because I've never done it before. I've never done anything different than that. So what we have to do is change male, I mean, hyper-masculinity. It started from a child, just like any other types of things that start from learning is like racism, mm -hmm. hyper-masculinity, um, hate, love. All those things come from what we're taught. It's a baseline foundation of what we're taught when we're children. And the only reason I can speak about hyper-masculinity is because I am a product of it to an extent. I was told if when I cried about, if I got frustrated and cried, that was wrong. Men don't cry. Indeed. Be a man, toughen up. So now, now I have difficulties. When I had a girlfriend, when she asked me what's wrong, I'm like, I don't know. I'm okay. When Indeed. really inside, I probably want to tell her, I want to cry. Or you really hurt my feelings. Or this this really made me feel sad. Or this made me feel bad about myself. I can't mm -hmm. ex I can't express that to her. And then many girls, since we were talking about the one less lonely girl and then the cheating part, just to, just to come back to it, it's like when when this ha when this problem comes along in many relationships, I, I want I want the ladies to realize it's like that's that's literally what happens. You get taught so many times, be a man, toughen up. Don't show emotion. Don't display this emotion. That's not what men do. It gets to a point now where it's like he may actually want to cry or something, but he's not going to do it in front of you because he's been taught his life. I'm a man. I can't show my lady down weak. And you ask him what's wrong and he can't tell you what's wrong. And then you you guys um, get frustrated and you have every right to to be frustrated because he can't tell you what's going on. So you can't help him. But I want you to take the time to just open your mind and think like. Hey, he's really been going through this. Let me see if I can find another way to uh, get the information out. And I promise you, he'll he'll tell you if you just, you know, like if you say something that hurts that you can't tell me what's really going on. I really want to help you. I promise you, they're probably part of their emotions. But yeah, just speaking on that, hyper masculinity is just something that all of us can do, not just men, but ladies too, to help stop it because. It's just a, it's just a taught it's a taught thing something that's taught, but yeah, that's Absol all I really had to say. Absolutely, and you've made some great points. I'm just gonna you know unpack some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, though we call it hypermasculinity, it it still affects women, right? Of but, course, but, but but not in the ways that we might think. So let's take a, a sport that's deemed aggressive, MMA. Yeah. Right. So even the women in this have to act in a facade of hyper masculinity to show. Right. They they do that. That's not saying that they don't do it as individuals. Right. This because hyper femininity by virtue of the hegemony swings in the other way. So it's reducing. Right. The 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 ethic of care within which I don't even like using these terms because saying that hypermasculinity is going more aggressive, whereas hyperfemininity is going to the opposite. And then we might have people that say, but feminists are aggressive. So what we're trying to do is, even though we have these terms, I must explain that in the UFC, a woman must be aggressive. That's not a woman acting through hypermasculinity because the female dialectic differs, right? Even though the woman might be bigger and stronger, there's always going to be those males who are like, I don't care how much training she has. She's a woman. I could still beat her, right? So the, the women in these sports, judo, jiu-jitsu, in combat sports, right? Or in any sport, right? Uh, trying to reach a pinnacle, even, even WNBA, right? Trying to reach that pinnacle, right? Oh, she scores well. Serena Williams plays better than nearly all professional male tennis players. But it's like, oh, yeah, she's number one woman. And then it's like, ah, no, she's better. She could, she could stand her own with Federer. She, she could do that, right? It's not because she's a woman that she can't beat Federer. It's because Federer happens to be better. And why? Because men have the training, right? Once you're, once they're recognized as having that skill level, they're trained rigorously until they can get to the pinnacle. Whereas women, it's like, okay, now we recognize you have the skill level, and then she had the opportunity to reach that pinnacle, right? So natural talent combined with training, right? But if all women, if the same percentage of women 
we're trained in these elite sports as men, then I think we'd begin to see that there are some women who we can deem as elite due to training, not genetics, but due to training that can rival men. It's because it's like whenever people say, oh, there, there are less women in this job. That's why they get paid less. No, there are less women applying for this job because they see it's filled with men. And then it's like, it's the thing where you psych yourself out, right? But you yeah. get 0% of the opportunities you don't apply for. Yeah. And just to speak on the sports part, it's like with that, the WNBA, let's say, let's talk about the WNBA, NBA, or female soccer and male soccer. Any any true athlete that loves the sport and pays attention to the pays attention to the sport knows that female athletes are highly, 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 highly skilled in their craft. Mm. Because what most men that don't really know the sport fail to realize is that a lot of our athleticism cancels out skill. Just like because I can run fast in soccer. If I was, if I, if I were to dribble the ball and kick it too far in front of me, I'm fast enough to get it. Versus as a girl may not be, a woman may not be as fast as me, but she has way better skill with me technically, and she doesn't have to worry about the ball getting away from her because she's trained rigorously yeah, in her it's te- a technicality. They know whenever to hold back the force. Yeah, basketball. So much athleticism is taken mm-hmm. in the basketball. Oh, I may have missed up the dribble, or I can jump 40 inches in the air and dunk the ball Indeed. or lay it up and control my body in this way because I'm athletic enough. Not saying a woman can't do that because there's now female basketball players in high Absolutely. school dunking now. I mean, we're going to see dunking in, in WNBA soon. But it takes so much more skill to play WNBA because a lot of players cannot go above the rim. It's easier mm-hmm. to defend a player going under the rim. Because it's a it's a layup, man. If you're tall enough, you can contest a shot. So they have to do way more skillful things, or they can't blow past a a a, a woman and push her down with immense physical strength because they may be matched physically. So they have to use way more skill to get their shot off. There's a lot of things. So if people out here really still really think that females or women cannot do a sport as well as males, they're are horribly mistaken because it takes way more skill to to play as a woman than it does to play as a male. And I can say that confidently being a male that plays a sport because a lot of my athleticism can make up for mistakes that I can make. Not saying women aren't athletic at all, but I'm saying a, a woman is way more skilled. And they, they, they take care of their skills way more so they can let, make less mistakes. And the fact that in their sports that every woman is skilled makes the game much harder. So they have to outthink their their opponents, and which makes the game, if you ever watch a WNBA game or a women's soccer game or any women's lacrosse game or things like that, then uh, it makes, it's just way more interesting because like I like, my new favorite sport to watch is lacrosse. The first lacrosse game I watched was, I think my freshman year. I only watched a little bit of it. The males one. It was cool because it was just like violent because they're just like all these guys and they're just running, tackling each other and they're fast and they're uh, hitting each other's sticks, doing cool tricks, uh, ball trick, net tricks and stuff like that. It's cool. When you watch a, a women's game, it's so much more skill involved with it because they don't have the athletic. Most of them don't use their athleticism in that way to get an upper hand on their opponent. It's, it's the skill that outmatches an opponent to an opponent. And you can see that it's like, uh, let's say for instance, um, a guy with a, with a forty or the thirty five inch vertical, if he's running and somebody tries to uh, block him from, I don't know how the cross rules, but block him from getting towards the net, he can jump over that person, pass it, get it back, score. Let's say a a, a woman can do that also, but maybe not as high. But instead of her doing that, she has to find a way to weave through all those opponents, and she does it and scores. So in my in my eyes, I feel like on the sports aspect of it, it's way more interesting. But yeah, in 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 fights and combat sports, they do that because it's more interesting. They try to they try to sell that 
mm-hmm. the female that's ultra aggressive to make it more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, if I don't know, and some guys are weird. I'm just gonna say that too. They they like to see it, and I hate to talk about it in that way, but it it provides that fantasy mm-hmm. in combat sports to see a woman fight like that. There's some weird people out there. That's just yeah, yeah, yeah. some weird stuff, but. Hypermasculinity is in both genders, but I feel like at the end of the day, it comes from just the values of of whatever community in. In that case, it's the combat sports community. Mm-hmm. How they can sell tickets or how they sell views is woman grimacing and flexed up uh, in a male like fashion, and you know having to fight like that when it's okay to be a uh, ladylike in a combat sport and people cause people should still respect you because at the end of the day, <laughs> half of the people watching cannot compete with her just cause she's a woman you can beat her up. No, I, I, I probably not, not at all. Not even probably not. You, you couldn't just because of how much time and skill she has put into that sport. But yeah, indeed. So let's let's go to that. Obviously, in defense of humanity, got to drop in a philosopher, critical thinker somewhere. Of course. So, so we're gonna drop in Schopenhauer, who I think applies quite nicely. So it's the the mode that someone tries to find a perfect match for themselves. Mm-hmm. So in so in trying to receive the the most happiness for themselves right you find someone who you think is the most attractive all right that others would think is like a reach for you and you grab that person so schopenhauer talks about a short male going for a tall attractive model like woman right or or right a feminine woman an effeminate woman going for a, a masculine male or right a very sweet timid young woman going for her direct counter the hyper masculine male schopenhauer says though these people will be infatuated long enough to produce children eventually they're going to have to live 40 50 60 years together and they're going to realize they are not meant for each other because they uh went for their opposites right it's this schopenhauer talks about opposites attract right because you see oh this is normal right I'm I'm a feminine woman. I need to go for a masculine male to protect me as society would deem. Schopenhauer says this is not the way. You need to find someone who has attributes that will complement you, not that will be diametrically opposed to you. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, we we continue from that. So it's uh, the fact that the hypermasculine male exists as a result of society recapitulating males right and then we have the gillette commercial which is moving forward and we have controversy about it that oh they're trying to make all young men soft now uh and then it's not even that gillette uh was it procter and gamble's uh main company they they did not do this as a as a like a feminist movement though i'm sure many people who work at procter and gamble gamble are feminists but they did this because it needs to be done, right? This, as well as the Harry's commercial about there's a there's a there are men men are not like put into one category or the other, right? There's there's a continuum for what manhood is and for what womanhood is, because this is in defense of humanity. It's not in defense of men, right? So there are these categories, but the most specific ones are, well, the Dove commercials do it as well, mm-hmm. and we could do another episode on on femininity because we i do love me some loose rigore and some some uh nuss bomb so we we can get in on that as well so yeah so just we're going through the critique of schopenhauer and then the opposite metering of hypermasculinity and its equation to fragility and then eventually it, it dissimilates and then someone realizes they're not made for the other person and they're just unhappy until they die in Schopenhauer's time, divorce was not as easy. But now. Yeah, they made divorce really easy. So now people marry, oh, you're hot, I'm hot, boom. And then we don't actually like each other. 
that was all just fetishization, commodity fetishism. You are what other people desire. I want you so no one else can have you. Like eBay bidding. It's like, oh, I won. Ah, crap. Now I actually have to live with you. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's crazy how like people really, you know, I never really think about that, but it's it actually actually happens how people think like that. Like, I I hope that I don't think like that. Like, oh, this girl is cute because everybody else says she cute. Mm-hmm. She's cute. Not that I think she's attractive because I think she's attractive and I want to be with her. That's how I hope I think. But, you know, I just was watching while you were talking the Gillette commercial, The Best Men Could Be. Mm-hmm. The Best Men Can Be, the short film. And it's just basically to give the the listeners, uh, I feel like you guys should watch it. But um, to just go on top of it, just a brief description, just showing different uh, scenes on how media and just life and things that we see throughout life shape and sculpt men and how we pass that down from generation to generation. Mm. Like different stories of uh, shows of the wife coming home or the wife cooking and the, the breadwinner comes in the house and smacks his wife on the ass. And mm-hmm. we think that's a normal thing to do. And not all girls like that. Or um, guys uh, roughhousing and wrestling in the grass. Some guys don't like to do that. And we have to realize that every every person is different. That's why the world is unique. Indeed. Um, so I have... So there's this oftentimes, like you said, Nehemiah, your your parents or your your parental figures, right? Parental units. Let's call them that. Parental units. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our society, more so in the past, we'll say, "Oh, you can't act this way. You you are a man. Stop crying." However, for me, right, I I have to reconcile this. Right, I have to deal with this problem often. I lived with my grandmother for a very long time. Uh, whenever I wasn't in these parts, we won't we won't get into specifics, but I was elsewhere. And she told me that showing emotions, the pa'an, right, is the greatest thing that that a human can do, right? Don't hold your emotions inside because it will swelter. It will be like the magma beneath a volcano, and one day you will explode outwardly, right? The you you allow them out slowly right you 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 drip them out right whenever the situation requires it you let it out you never withhold the truth from someone there's no reason to lie right and then yeah she she talked about people like the i'm not getting into colonialism right now but peoples are actively masculine to protect themselves right they're their internal facade goffman you have the performance garfinkel rather because the performance is one's duty we are indebted to society to perform in a way that normalizes us with said society so instead i know this right so i i think i know i respect women right and my grandparents taught me this way but i still see Every time people tell me I'm aggressive, right? And I don't act in these outward ways. I don't rush people whenever they get mad at me or like whenever people get aggressive to me, I don't. But people have told me that they feared me. I just stand there and look at them. But they say it's because of the lack of emotion on my face that that I I kind of terrify them, which is weird to me because I'm a short male, right? Uh, I usually wear like long sleeves, uh, jacket, coat, and then so no one can see how built I am. So I look like an easy target, right? But for some reason, right? And it's just, I don't want to talk about auras, but like, there, there's just- I feel this, like it has to be explained though. There's just, there's this look on someone's face. You, Whenever you look at somebody on the street, right? It's oftentimes you're like walking in Atlanta and then you see someone who's like small, but then you, that man looks at you in the eyes and you're like, nah, nah. There's something that yeah, that's, happens. That's an aura, but also it's a it's a it's a community thing in Atlanta. It's uh, it's been taught since when you were younger. It's just you glance at people, don't look at people, and Indeed. I always wonder why. And then uh, I think one day 
Uh, I was in, uh, in Decatur. That's where my family lives and stuff like that. You know, when you're young, you, you stare because you don't understand things. And I looked at this one gentleman and I stared at him. And when he looked at me, it's like I didn't know what that what that meant at the time because, again, I was young. But I felt like, okay, this guy meant business. Whatever. Staring through you. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. If anybody was to confront him, then it was going to be a bad day for them. And I didn't realize until then, but it's just a persona that people carry. That goes, that's when I said in the beginning with hypermasculinity, I felt like it started off as a, a, a warning or a defense mechanism before you had to enact an action towards someone. Just like you say, you give off an appearance to some people that maybe uh, that, that tells them uh, to heed warning when they approach you. Just like sometimes when I'm sitting in the cafeteria, people are like, oh, when you when you sit at the cafeteria by yourself, you look like you don't want nobody to talk to you. And I was like, sometimes, yeah, that's probably why I sit alone. But also it's like, no, it's not that. You know, I'm always down to talk to anybody. But it's just a, the, it's just an aura we give off in certain situations. And sometimes we don't realize it because we do it so much. Mm. Just the same thing with hypermasculinity. It's, it's something that happens systemically over time and it, and it keeps building up mm -hmm. to where it just becomes a part of you and you don't even realize it anymore. Yeah. And that's the issue with some people that are hypermasculine is they don't realize that they're hypermasculine. Indeed. So again, within defensive humanity, because I mean, we don't just talk on the podcast for fun. I mean, we do it for fun. I like doing this. But it's to it's to tell people like, hey, if you see this happening, you need to acknowledge it towards somebody. And sometimes they might not listen, but to just acknowledge and let them think about it will help them. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we don't realize that we're doing wrong until somebody else tells us. You know what I mean? Just like. For example, your mom might tell you something that you're doing wrong. You're like, mom, you don't know nothing. And she's seen you your whole life. But let somebody outside Indeed. of the circle come and tell you that you're doing the same thing wrong. You take it way more. Absolutely. You know, you take it way more to the higher. You, you, you regard their opinion way higher than you did your mother. Why is that? Because you think that your mother known you your whole life and she sees all your flaws and things. And you're like, oh, she just, she's just always nagging. But this person doesn't know half the stuff that you, not even a quarter of the stuff your mother knows. But because they said the same thing that they noticed, and it has to be, it's huge. It has to be true. It has to be true. Because why would they say anything to that, to, to a fault like that? Why would they expose your faults like that? They don't know you. Mm. So that's what, and there's a, and there is a positive way to do it. Because just like the one less only girl thing, y'all folks went out there and cheated. I'm still ashamed for that. So now I'm gonna have to I'm have to do this for every time we get on this podcast, man. Every time? Every time, because then you're gonna keep getting these DMs. Man, so and so, so and so said he liked me. I dated him. Then I caught him cheating. Please not every podcast, bro. Okay, not every <laughs> podcast. Hopefully they get the the message, but it's like it's a way of of relaying that information to the other person. Yeah. Just like, hey, I see how you how you you do this sort of thing. And and I think the best way to relay the information is either one, have ex having experienced that same thing too and over overcame it, over and you have overcame the situation. I don't know if I said that right. Mm. Or you're going through it and you would like to help that person go through it. Um also, or three, you're the outside person looking in, somebody who's been affected by hypermasculinity and can say, hey, this is how it affects other people who are not that way. And maybe you should look at it from our point of take a take a mile in our shoes. And hopefully by the end of that mile, you'll see what you're doing may not be the best way. Let's not attack someone and say, what you're doing is wrong. That's just going to hype their hyper masculinity right back up. Yeah. Because you're attacking their masculinity. So they feel it's an ad hominem. The, yeah. The male, the male fragility. They, it's, it's their outer, their outer shell is so strong compared to what's going on inside. Like a mollusk. Yeah. An ant. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, it just, but yeah. So there is a right way of doing it. 
Don't go out there saying, hey, man, you're what you're doing is whack. Like, why are you why are you out here uh, attacking these females like that? They don't even like you or, bro, you you acting like yeah. you're so strong and stuff and you're not even all that. Like, you need to chill out. That's not going to work. I'm just going to tell you right now, their, their walls are going to just shoot up. And everything yeah, you say after that, it's not going to get to them. There's a certain way of relaying information to somebody yeah. to help them. But um, yeah, hypermasculinity is just, it's one of those things that's really hard because it's just like, uh, and I don't want to put those things together, but it's the only thing that keeps popping in my mind. When I think of things that are taught through childhood, it's like racism. It's like the only reason why it's so hard to tackle it is because to this day, it still keeps going on. Yeah, just like, uh, um, just like uh, one of my one of my favorite artists I like to listen to, Tyler the Creator. He uh. was speaking about racism. He's like, if you see on the news every day a dog attacking children every day for like a month straight, and you go outside and you see the same breed of dog, and you're with your little cousin, what are you gonna think about that dog? Yeah, the dog could be highly trained, and he doesn't even want to bother you. You're bothering him by, you know, just giving off this aura like, oh, I'm, I'm worried, you know, but you've seen this dog, this type of breed of dog attack, attack, attack. So now you go out and it's like, these dogs are, are, are dangerous. Let's, let's, let's eradicate these dogs and stuff like that. Just like with racism, it's taught and people, when people keep getting taught this, they go out in the world and see that person and they automatically hate. When they could, you know, you don't know what the outcome could be. Just same thing as hypermasculinity. When children, when children, uh, they're young, they're very self-centered and they want things to happen to them when they want it to happen to them. When they don't, they uh, express a lot of emotions and they're very, uh, what I noticed with children, because I watch from my, my younger cousins, it's like they really respond to what you say because this, these are the first things they're, they're really hearing. They don't really get a sense of self until later on to where they, you know, stop believing what you say, you say and follow their own path. So it's really important. So if you tell a child, that's not what you're supposed to do. That's not what a man does. Men don't sit there and cry like little punks like this. Men don't, men don't harp over their feelings like that. Man up, toughen up, you know, be a man, all this stuff. They're going to listen to it. And over time, you're going to have these struggles that you see in men right now that that you're talking to. Like I said, um, like I said before in the podcast, I want people to value what I say. So I deal with that. There's a lot of times that people ask me what's going on in my life. I may be I may be sad. I may be on the brink of crying, but I'll tell you that I'm okay. Because if you if I tell you I'm sad and you ask me to explain why, I can't explain it to you. Mm. Because I haven't had the through my developmental years of explaining why I feel this way. And like, I see that, um, from my, from my cousins and I, and I truly want that. Like they're able to, when they're, and they're both, they're both boys and I feel like they're very masculine and even, and then I'll speak on that too, but they're able to, if they feel sad, they're able to tell you why. If they're upset, they're able to tell you why. If somebody hurt their feelings, they're able to tell you why. If they're happy, they're able to tell you why. They're able to tell you why they're laughing. Mm. And there's sometimes where, yes, they can be very emotional. And because, like me and my older cousins, because we grew up in the in, under the hyper masculine system, we're like, man, man up, man. Why are you always crying? Toughen up, man. Boys don't act like that. And I had to stop myself because I don't want them to go through what I go through. Where it's like I'm sitting here. I have an issue and you ask me why, and I can't tell you why. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to explain. I understand. So like just to, yeah, that's really all I had to say about that. But yeah, I I honestly want to like sort of, there's a stigma for going to a therapist, but I honestly don't know why I repress my emotions. It's not even repressing my emotions. Sometimes I literally just do not, care i'm completely apathetic to a situation mm -hmm. and i don't know why because my grandparents didn't teach me this way mm -hmm. all of my cousins show emotions but i sometimes i just feel complete 
lack of concern, right? And I, I abhor the like, not abhor. I abhor my my emotional constraint, right? But I adore ethics of care. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's happening there, but what I will address is that there's another hypermasculine set where it's not outwardly aggressive, but it's a guy who sits and watches, right? The the the, the sort of stalker mentality. And I That's think sick. we we have we have experience with this. And uh yeah, so every now and again I'll like walk up and then like sort of give him the quick clap. Come in for the hug. I think everybody just found out who you're talking about, though. And then, uh, yeah, but this is this is serious, right? right? But yeah, it really Cause, is, though. Because like, even though this, even though this person may not be intending to do this, right? That might not be their intention at all. It comes off as as uh, not creepy, but like truly terrifying. Okay, now with with that being said, how does someone? How does someone who is listening to this right now? Mm-hmm able to say to said person hey i understand what you're doing may not be harmful but Mm -hmm. i want you to look at on this hand how it feels to them and on this hand how it looks to the people looking because look the the one thing i learned i think one of the things i I like about going to like liberal arts colleges because you learn a lot of stuff about life and one of the things that I really learned that I've seen a lot, especially from the community that I'm from, is the bystander effect. Is the fact that when you see something happen and there's a bunch of people around, it's less chance of somebody standing up to do something because you have this in your mind that oh, somebody else will help them. Like, for example, when you're driving on the highway and you see somebody broken down, do you ever feel the urge to pull over and see if they're okay? Most of the time, people don't because... A, first thing in your mind, somebody else will get I do. Up. I mean, of course, because you're a super wonderful human being. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't because just in my community, that could be a problem. I, I, I live in a place whenever I, I go back to the house that I own in Georgia that I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and Even the though there used to be the clan there, I, I'm pretty yeah. safe during the day. And then in the community I live in where my mother lives is very is very like pleasant to an mm-hmm. extent there. But it's just that or somebody else will help them or they have they have to have insurance or things like that. It's like when those when said unless for example, if that were to happen, people see it and they're like, Oh, well, he does that to everybody. Nobody's making a big deal out of it. And really they might be truly terrified. So my question to you is just really how does somebody address that because at the end of the day if you're terrified of something you don't want to and you feel isolated in that situation you don't want to say hey man stop it that's yeah yeah that's not gonna scaring me you know because in their mind they're like i'm not doing anything wrong and then that defense flares up yeah yeah and then stop listening as soon as you as soon as you antagonize them done i don't respect you i'm out i'm going to continue to do what i want so the 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 way that one would uh, help alleviate this, hopefully halt it completely, is is to address it. Say, mm-hmm. hey, hey, please, please come have a seat. Um, yeah, talk about it. Oh, oh, no, no, they haven't said anything wrong. Well, sir or ma'am, it could happen. Uh, Women can be aggressive too. Yeah, yeah. So they they've they've talked about it with with around. They talked about it with me. Oh, so they said it to you? No, no, no. They just said it's it's a bit right because you don't want to put the victim at at a risk for re-victimization, right? You don't want to say, "Oh, they told me." Oh, I'll I'll make sure they don't tell you again. You don't you don't want that don't to want happen. That happen at all. You know, so so you're like, no. Other people around say that it looks a bit aggressive, but did they say it? Listen, I'm just telling you that you're gonna catch a charge. If you continue on your path, right? So like you cannot do things like this. It, it's unacceptable. And mm-hmm. then they're going to get defensive, of course. Oh, no, no. They, they like it. They said, I asked them, do you, do, you, do you like that? And they said, "Um, yeah, sure. No, no. Perhaps you don't understand the social situation, but that's because you standing above them, they're sitting, right? Not only do you have, you have 
a few types of hierarchy, right? Because you are a member of the hegemony, right? You are the the in class, uh, the in power class, right? So the the male, right? You also have physical superiority at that moment, right? They are sitting in a position of weakness. You are standing with your hand extended, coming in for a hard slap. That's reminiscent to uh, nearly slapping someone in the face, right? With the hand raised, no, we cannot do that. We you raising up your hand in order to go for a slap looks a lot to everyone else like you're going in to hit them on the face. And that may, right, this person may have had experience with this. So, but but they haven't. This is how this conversation is going to continue. It's going to digress a lot. Trust me. But the thing is, if you don't know, you cannot use a consequential uh, framework. You can't say, but they didn't respond. You have to start with, they are an end in and of themselves. They are not a means to an end. You don't use someone in order to gratify yourself saying, I have friends or I, I like looking at her or I want her an object. I want him an object. I want them as my friend, a utility, right? You must respect them, right? And then whenever I greet people, I start with a simple hello, right? If they reach out, I accept it, right? But after meeting them once, that isn't, you're, you're not in a dialectic like that, right? In any society, right? In, 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 in most languages, there's a formal tongue they use with someone, and then there's an informal tongue, right? You don't, you don't start with, oh, telling me after they walk away that, that you, you don't know how you feel about them, that you, that you want them, right? Even if, like, if you see this kind of behavior, it must be addressed because I am tired. Hmm. I am truly tired with seeing this, this latent hypermasculinity, right? Even though you seem like a sweet guy, you, you kind of look like a predator. But that's, don't they all look like that? Indeed. It's always the guys that... The ones that you don't expect. Yeah, those are the ones that's going to get you. But um, just, to, just to conclude on all of this is just really, uh, really a topic that people can really delve into, but... The main point I really want to push across to all listeners is just, man, it's a taught thing. It's not something that people are innately born with. Mm-hmm. You know, some people may have more testosterone than others and may the personality may display as that type of guy versus others. But we have to understand that it's taught. And once we cease the 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 teaching of it and the learning of it. Uh, you will see a drastic change in kids in the future with hypermasculinity. Um, same thing with uh, women. I know we didn't talk about it a lot. There are the hypermasculinity can't happen with women, and there are women mm-hmm. that are ultra aggressive in ways. And of course, there's some people that may say, "Oh well, <laughs> if a girl does that to me, then I'm gonna." It's not. It's not a bad thing. But in some cases, to some people, yeah. it may be yeah. wrong. So at the end of the day, it's something to to take note of. If you are one of those guys who fit under that category as myself, not really with aggressive with women, but just the emotional uh, factor of it, of not being able to display a lot of emotion um, and things like that. We have to look at ourselves and try to fix it. And sometimes we can't look at ourselves and try to fix it because we may fix one thing and then tackle on a new problem. So somebody that we truly value their opinion, hopefully they will help us on our journey to become better men. Um, and yeah, that's just a, this is a learning. It's all a learning process at the end of the day, because if you don't know that you're doing something wrong, you're going to continue to do it. Mm. So unless somebody tells you, Hey, I don't like that. or Hey, that hurts my feelings. Or Hey, when you do this, it, it, this is the reaction I get, then you're going to continue to do it, which is not the best course of action for anything. Mm. So, I mean, thank you for listening to Indefensive. Oh, wait, there's more. (laughs) So uh, next episode, hopefully we'll have Dr. Davis on. Uh, Dr. This is the reason why we said we didn't know what we were to record today. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, Dr. Jonathan Davis uh, was ill today. Shout out to Dr. Davis. 
uh, please feel better. Uh, he was sick. And then I walked in to his office and he was having a meeting, heard the voice. And I was like, oh, and he was like, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. So yeah, Dr. Davis, he, he would have loved to be on, but we'd have to boost that audio of the game. He would have sounded like he was a, he was like, did you just do some uh, ASMR? <laughs> I think you just did some ASMR. Indeed. So he would have sounded like he smoked about 40 packs a day for the last 85 years. So we didn't want to do that to him. Uh, also, Dr. Davis does not smoke. So don't take that and run with it. Yeah, do uh, not. Smoking is bad. Dr. Davis does not smoke. Uh, so, yeah, he'll be on. He's a he's a biologist, an ichthyologist. So he, he loves fish, but he studies other things. We're going to talk about climate change denial, party line affiliation. He's brilliant. So we're going to have him on. And then we're going to start the expert series. And we're going to get it rolling. And then... We'll have intermittent every now and again. You guys ask questions. But uh, yeah, we're going to have the, the expert series coming up soon. And then we have Kyle DeBell dropping. Actually, that'll be the episode before us. Okay. And then, so we have this. Then we have Dr. Davis. So Nemo, take it away. This is In Defense of Humanity with your boy, Nemo Johnson, a.k.a. Nehemiah. With the great, wonderful Asterisk Miller. I want to say the great, wonderful Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but the great, wonderful Asterisk Miller. This is In Defense of Humanity. Uh, holla at you later. Peace. <laughs>